Pastor Todd wanted me to tell jokes until he got the fun. They got the I'm just kidding. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here. Please take your Bibles. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll get there in just a moment. Again, thanks for coming and thanks for uh, being here, participating in our service at Wyoming Valley Church. If you have a copy of the bulletin, uh, yellow or orange or whatever, please get that handy, a pen or pencil, and uh, there's notes on the inside of that. Um, I want to talk with you this morning about protection from spiritual distraction. Um, if there's one truth in the passage that we're looking at the last several verses or the last several weeks around this text in Ephesians chapter 6 is, is this, we are at war. We're in a spiritual battle. It's not just a logo and the bulletin battles, you know, the rich and godly. We're, it's, it's a war. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to the believers in Ephesus. He wanted them to understand that, that, uh, that living for Christ today, living for Christ then, living for Christ now, means it's, we're in warfare. It is a battle. I think... Um, People my age, I mean, I've never been in the military. I've never been involved in that. And we tend to look at that and what we see or what we, what we see in the media or what we read or whatever. But I think Paul wanted this to be very, very clear and very, very serious that we're at war. Um, one of the things that you're going to notice, and I'm going to take a moment in, in I'm going to take a few moments in just a minute to read through this passage for you. I'll read it out loud and so on. But one of the things that Paul does uh, by way of uh, literary technique or whatever it is, tr of teaching us truth about the spiritual battle, is he uses several illustrations to help us understand the, the weapons that we have at our disposal to be used in this warfare. And today, and we'll get there in just a minute, today we're going to look at the weapon that Satan uses, that the Bible that this passage calls fiery darts getting ready for today i i tried to look up i mean i in, in by the magic of google or uh commentaries commentaries on this passage or whatever to look up some of the ancient illustrations of warfare and when were fiery arrows used so let me tell you a little bit of stories about that. You remember that in ancient battles, right? The Bible has illustrations of this, that, that often in ancient times, Bible times, uh, they would build cities with walls around them. Remember the story in the Old Testament of Jericho. The nation of Israel mounts, uh, uh, marched all the way around the battle, all the way around the, the, the wall of Jericho. Remember the story in uh, the Old Testament about Nehemiah, the walls of the city of Jerusalem had fallen down. And Nehemiah was sent by God back to rebuild the walls. And so we understand, and, and from literature or whatever, movies maybe or whatever, we understand a little bit about the walled cities. And the walled cities were there for defense, right? It wasn't just to keep people in. I mean, we understand that this week by what's happening with the virus in China and all of that, you know, and I've been praying for those people. I know some people that are that are in China serving the Lord there and so on. It's, but, but the walls were designed for defense to keep the enemy at bay. 
But the enemy also was smart enough. And remember that lots of times in ancient warfare, the enemy would use weapons like battering rams where they would bring in this device that was designed to knock the door down of the wall. And so the the walled cities, remember the stories? We've read about them in ancient times. They would build a moat around, and sometimes there'd be stories of even alligators in the moat in case they tried to swim across or whatever. And so the enemy got smart enough that the enemy would bring in, you've seen the weapons like the catapults, right? Devices that was incredible engineering that were designed to launch huge rocks into the, into the walled cities or knock the wall down. And so what would happen often with, uh, with that warfare is the people that were inside the walled cities would understand that the catapult was designed either to knock the wall down or to launch over the wall. And so literally, the people of the walled cities I read this week would move their stuff, their valuables, away from the wall and would often leave their stuff, their valuables, in the middle so that the catapult, the rocks, and so on wouldn't destroy their stuff. And so, I mean, there's a lot of other weapons that were used. And then (coughs) the enemy, which this passage is going to tell us that the, our enemy spiritually is strong and uh, uh, wily, that's the word, the wiles, the tactics, the tricks of the devil, is that the enemy would begin to use fiery arrows. And originally, fiery arrows, and I don't know what you've thought about this already, but some commentators and some historians said the fiery arrows really weren't that good of a weapon because they'd have to have a whole bunch of soldiers that had a whole bunch of oil or pitch or something that would burn. They'd have to take it at the, they'd have to have something on fire to light the tip of the arrow on fire. And you've seen all the things where there's hundreds of arrows all at once. But often what they would do is when the catapult would be throwing rocks or whatever, lots of times they would take one guy with a bow and arrow who would take his arrow with the tip of oil or pitch or whatever, and he'd just be away from the battle somewhere. And one archer would take a fiery arrow and launch it up over the wall while the people were distracted. And the fire from the arrow would land in their stuff that was away from the wall, and literally the city would burn down from within. I think the purpose of Satan's fiery darts in our spiritual battle is to get us distracted by things that are out. His, I think his, his tactic, we're going to talk about that today, is to get us distracted so that the fiery dart that the arrow shoots, that the, that the enemy shoots into our lives, sometimes causes such disaster and such ruin that literally our lives burn from within and that's the danger of the fiery dart so it's with that illustration in mind that I use this title protection from spiritual distraction Satan would love to have us distracted and he does that by we're going to talk about that today so if you have your Bibles just follow along with that when I read. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we're going to concentrate on verse 16. Okay, so I'm going to read verses 10 down through verse 20. 
just follow along. I'm going to be reading New King James. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me start reading at verse 10. <coughs> and I'll read down through verse 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, having done all, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench or extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's our text, but we're going to look at verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which we'll be able to quench, extinguish, put out the fire, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Folks, we are in a battle. We will face fiery darts. And we're going to talk about how to quench them from this verse, one verse today. Let me pray. And uh, we'll look a little careful, or look a little closer at those principles that you have in your notes. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that your word is practical. It applies to our lives. It's living and powerful, you tell us. And God, I just pray that as we look at this passage, that you would use your word by your Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, for your glory. God, my prayer, including for me, is that our hearts would be open and receptive to what you have for us from your word. God, again, we just ask you, use your word this morning in our hearts and our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we get started talking about the shield of faith. I've I've studied and I've read this passage a lot, and I know many of you have too, right? It wasn't that long ago, Liz, you had the, the women's Bible study on the armor. So a lot of us that are here this morning have studied this. And one of the things that I have become more and more convinced of, which is a little bit grieving and upsetting when you think about it like this, is that often the study of the spiritual armor in this passage looks like this. In other words, one guy, one soldier, all by himself with the armor. And I just read it to you. You know, the, 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 the shoes, the, for the boots for the feet, the, the, the shield, the helmet, the, all, of those, all of those weapons. That it's, and it's one guy. 
that is really not the illustration in this passage. Really the illustration, and I, I don't think that my graphics that I found on Google do this justice, and you'll, you'll hear more about why in a moment. But really our warfare is more like this instead of the one lone guy. Now we all, we all watch movies and love movies about the heroes, the one guy, the James Bonds, the Jason Bournes, the one guy that can defeat, you know, the whole communist, you know, the whole communist army by himself. But that's not the illustration. Folks, here it is today. Here it is. If we think we can fight this by ourselves, Folks, I love you. I know you love me. But if we fight on our own, we will lose. God never intended us to fight this on our own. God never intended us to be one guy with a shield, one guy with a sword, one guy with a helmet, one person with anything. It's, it's, we're designed to be in an armor, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an army. With, with, with believers. And that is the purpose of the church. If you'll remember our study, one of the things that's true about Ephesians is the importance of the local church. We need each other. We're in a battle. And again, as Pastor Todd has talked about, you know, the bully loves to take one kid out back and beat up the one kid. But if you've got everybody in the school, the bully doesn't have a chance. It's that illustration, which is why the commitment to God's army, the commitment to the church, the commitment to each other, and we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to talk with you about that more as we go through this. But the idea here today of the shield, which again, this is my picture, and it doesn't really do it justice, but I wanted to show you the, the illustration of the one soldier and then the, then the army fighting together, is that the shield, and I'll show you this in just a minute, the shield of faith in that culture probably was a long, narrow shield that even that word was used in that culture, the shield, that, you, that word was used like a door. It was that shape instead of the round thing. And the idea of the shield, even from the, the very, as the, the readers of this text would understand, the purpose of the shield was to connect with the next guy's shield. Connect to the next guy's shield. So literally they used that to be the thing that would be the defense against the fiery darts that the darts couldn't get through. We'll talk more about what that looked like later on. That was the illustration that's here. Not just one, one soldier with armor by himself. The army, the enemy is going to defeat us when we try to fight on our own. Okay. So in saying that, I want to talk with you about three basic principles from this passage. Number one, God wants us to stay focused and not be distracted. I kind of highlighted this as we went through, but if you, our, our verse for today is verse 16. But if you drop down a few verses, look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful. We all understand, we all have illustrations of when we were distracted, right? We all have illustrations about being distracted from something else that was more important, and Satan loves to distract us, to get us away from the warfare, to get us away thinking about the fiery darts that then he shoots into our hearts, he shoots into our lives, and literally can burn us down from within inside. Number two, God wants us to put our trust in Christ. 
and believe in him for victory, for ultimate victory, for eternal victory. Folks, we win. I've, we said this the other night in Wednesday night study. I, I've read the end of the book. We win. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But in the meantime, we're in a battle. And yet we're talking about victory for eternity. And so we need to put our faith and trust in Christ. The faith, the shield of faith here, folks, please understand me, and we'll get to this, is not just this feel-good, boy, I can drum up the faith and I have the confidence. It's not this power of positive thinking. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's putting our trust, saving faith. And we'll talk about that as we go through. And then number three, God wants us to quench or to extinguish the fiery darts and resist the enemy's attacks to do evil. God wants us to resist, not to open our lives to sin, not to allow sin to reign in our lives. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. Number one, Number one here in the notes, this is our point. You have all of that uh, there in your notes on the sheet. Is Number one is God wants us to stay focused and not be distracted by Satan's tactics. Now, in the text, we talked about this before. The word, which I'm not sure we use today, but the word that we are familiar with about that in this passage is the wiles. I, I said this to the Wednesday night group. I think of that word in my first thought and this tells you probably my age and my background and my likes, is Wile E. Coyote from the Roadrunner, right? And I've always thought it'd be cool to find an Acme catalog where you could get Acme rocket launchers and Acme invisible paint and all of this. But Wile E. Coyote means tactics or strategies to do evil. And so Satan loves to get us distracted where then evil sin can reign in our lives. Let's look at the verse together. The verse starts by this phrase in English, above all. A lot of commentators say that this means in addition to all or covering all or probably more accurate, in all circumstances, do this. And I think, you know, Mel's commentary about this passage I think is this, so I highlighted it in bold. I think the Apostle Paul is saying by that one phrase, above all in all circumstances, in addition to this and all of that, it's not saying that this is more important, but I think he is saying this is important. This is important, so get this, and I think he wanted us to understand that. Also here in this passage, uh, a couple of times in the, in the paragraph or so that I read to you this morning, it uses that English word take, or verse 13 says to take up. I know you know this. This is simple stuff. But to take means to pick up or to take upon oneself. It's the action of doing this. In other words, I think what Paul is saying, I think what God is saying to us is this. Soldier, you're in warfare. There are others who fight with you, who will fight with you. You're in a battle but you have to take the initiative. We understand if there's one soldier who's a weak link, then that's the problem in warfare. So I think here's the point. Okay, here's the principle about that taking the initiative is this, is that individual action leads to group results. 
And I think one of the things that Ephesians teaches us about God and about God's family and about God's church is there is an accountability to each other. We don't like that idea of accountability, but it's very good. And in some ways, accountability is a protection for us. We don't have to, we don't have to fight on our own. We're not in this warfare where it's just me and my, my armor, but it's you and your armor and all of us together. But that also says if I'm weak or if I'm slow or if I'm forgetful or if I'm distracted, um, then there's a problem. There's a vulnerability, right? All that reading that I did about enemy warfare and the weapons of all of this is that one side would do something the other side would figure out a strategy like, like the fiery arrows and all of that kind of stuff to, 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 to fight against their defense. And so I think it's important for us to say that this is important and we need to take the initiative, but we're part of a group who does that. And then here it says, too, that we have the capacity to do something, to be able. In other words, we have the God-given ability for this. This is not just saying that, you know, buck up, brother, buck up, sister. It's that we have the God-given ability in this battle. This is a God thing. And that we have the God-given ability to do this and to fight, and in this case, to defend the fiery dart. So let's look at that a little bit. I uh, did a little searching through the, the help of Google and talked about this fiery darts or the flaming arrows thing. I talked to you about that. A lot of commentators, a lot of historians looking back. Now, we tend to romanticize that, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm smiling, and I know I'm on video today. I don't know if you've seen the Rambo movies, right? This uh, one guy all by himself, and he's this, you know, he's this archer, right? And he's always got fire. He always has the, air, the, the arrows on fire, and it always works. It blows up the tank. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But it always works. What I read is the flaming arrows don't work a lot of times because the fire doesn't stay lit, or that uh, you don't have fire to begin with, or it's slow, or you don't have something that's flammable. But it was used as a distraction. If they could get you distracted so that one guy could get off his arrow, then it could be a lead to a disaster and a defeat for the, for the enemy. Fiery darts. And this passage says, let me read it again, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all, key word, if you underline your Bibles, underline the word all. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the idea in the language of this passage is that the fiery darts are, were, and are the wiles, the tricks, the strategies of Satan. So in taking that illustration, I just expanded the graphic on the slide today of the fiery darts and realize that all of those things are Satan's strategies. Last week, if you were here on Wednesday night, we talked about the chart. Let, let, me, put, let me put that there and I'll, I'll back up a little bit in just a second. There in your bulletin, 
uh, you have a chart, which is not exhaustive, folks, but it's a little bit of a Bible study of what the Bible teaches us about Satan. And it's just a little bit of a chart. You have orange or yellow or whatever color that paper is, and it's not exhaustive. But it just teaches us some of the things that the Bible teaches us about Satan. And I think here in this passage, Ephesians 6, this is important to understand, I think. And that is the fiery darts. Let me say it again. The fiery darts are the wiles of the devil. They're his tactics. They're his strategies. And if you go back to this chart, because it's more visual, it's more graphic, to realize that pride, lust, temptation, doubt, evil, anger, lies, desires of the flesh, sexual sin, hurt, confusion, or all of those things that are in the Bible that the Bible tells us are um, wiles of the devil, are strategies of the devil. Those are things the devil uses. But they're in the Bible. Folks, I think it's important for understand that we know a lot about our enemy. God wins. I've read the end of the book. We win for all of eternity. We win. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're in a warfare. Um, simple illustration from my background. You know me. I've told a million illustrations about this. In high school and in college, I was a basketball player. Probably not because of my talent, but because of my size. That's probably why. I grew up in Montrose and Susquehanna County. I got cut from the basketball team in seventh grade. I got cut from the basketball team in eighth grade. I got cut from the basketball team in ninth grade. And the next summer, I grew six inches. In one summer, I went from being 5'10 to being 6'4. I go back to school in the fall, and all my kids are like, all my friends are like, Mel, what happened to you? <laughs> Cornflakes. I grew. I'm the guy who invented Capri pants. I'm that guy. There were a lot of floods that summer because I grew so tall. And by the end of high school, I was 6'6", so I played basketball in college too. One of the things that you understand about sports, even if you're not an athlete, you understand is the importance of scouting your opponent, right? Okay, even when I played, I played in college up at Baptist Bible College, it's Clark Summit University, small Christian school. But even then, in our, in our little school, we had an assistant coach who was in charge of scouting. We would send him to watch teams that we were going to play the next week. I mean, you understand this illustration, right? We would send this guy, and he would go there. You've seen him. I mean, he, he would go there with a clipboard with paper, and he would look, first of all, at the roster. We're going to play this school like we played, you know, the University of Scranton. We played one time, Baptist Bible College. We played Rutgers when I was in college. Rutgers' shortest guy was my size, and I was the tallest guy on our team. So we had this guy. His name was Tom. He went to uh, other schools and scouted. He'd come back, and he'd say, okay. First of all, we're going to play this school on Friday. First of all, you need to understand <coughs> that everybody on their team is tall. And he had these charts, and he'd show us, and here's what offenses they run. Here's what defenses. They have a guy, number 34, is a great shooter. 
you know, he's leading the nation in scoring. And then they got this other guy that is a great passer. And they got this other guy who's a rebounder. And they would scout and give us all this information about the opponent, right? And in professional sports, they have whole departments who do that. Okay, follow my illustration. We have a scouting report about our enemy. I gave it to you. It's not exhaustive, but we know how Satan works. Folks, so let's not get distracted by that. Satan would love to have those things burn us down, destroy our lives from the inside, which is why we protect. It's why we have the shield. It's why we work with other people who have their shields up so that we quench the darts. We know he's got the darts. We know what the darts will do. That's what this text says. And so it's important for us in this battle to fight, to not be distracted, and to uh, fight along with others. In one of the commentaries about um, this whole being in a battle about Satan, I, I, I mentioned this on Wednesday night to the group. C.S. Lewis once said, you can give the attention to, you can give the devil too much or too little attention. And I think that is a danger that we have in this, uh, uh, in this battle. John MacArthur, in his commentary in Ephesians, says this, the purpose of all of Satan's missiles, good illustration for fiery darts, and we're going to talk about this, so this is a transition, is to cause believers to forsake their trust in God and to drive a wedge between the Savior and the saved. I think one of the things that this passage teaches us that we're going to talk about here in just a second is that the purpose of the fiery darts, remember, or the purpose of the shield of faith is to quench the fiery darts because the fiery darts cause doubt. I think one of Satan's biggest strategies today is to get believers to doubt our salvation, is to doubt God. Remember the serpent in, in Genesis 3 with Eve? God didn't say that. It's to get us to question. It's to get us to doubt. It's to get us to deny God, the word of God. And if Satan's done the shield of faith, and that brings us to point number two. Okay, uh, let me highlight this just for a second. The shield of faith will be able to quench or extinguish all. Remember I told you, underline that. If you have a yellow highlighter, highlight the word all. We can and will have the victory. All the fiery darts, the ones I just showed you. We have the scouting report. We have the scouting report. Now, number two. God wants us, number two, God wants us to put our faith God wants us to put our faith and trust in Christ. I, I kind of changed that there. And, and believe in him for victory. Number two, God wants us to put our faith and trust in Christ. So here's the shield. Let's talk about that just for a moment. The shield of faith. In this text, and I've highlighted this before, before already this morning, is this. This shield, not my illustration that I showed you. I talked to you about, I mean, <laughs> Pad illustrations, humans make those up, and I used one, but I wanted to show the soldiers. The shield in this text was a large or long oblong device for protection. As I mentioned, in those days, it was, that word, 
shield was considered door-like. It wasn't the round thing that I showed you. It was long, oblong. And it was designed to fit with other soldiers. The whole point of that is that you're on the wall knocking down the uh, fiery darts, the fiery arrows, is that you're there with the whole army so that you're not distracted. <laughs> and it was interesting that this shield was often covered with a coarse leather-like substance that was designed so the arrow could not penetrate. And that in the warfare, again, one side knew what the other side was going to do. And so in that warfare, they would often, before the battle, before the soldiers went up, they would often take this shield, this door-like shield, and they, that was covered with leather, that was literally nailed down to their shield, and they would soak it in water for a long, long time. The point was so that they would quench or that they would extinguish the fiery darts. Pretty good strategy, right? And so that's what was used here as the shield. Now there's one other thing about this that I want to highlight this morning. And that is the shield of faith, folks. The shield of faith, folks. The shield of faith, faith, faith. Let me say again, it's not um, that I'm going to stand here and work up good feelings. Oh, I'm going to, I can win. I can win. You know, uh, um, there are coaches, right? I used a basketball analogy before that are really good motivators. You know, you can. Pastor Todd, you can win. You know, the motivators. It's not just somebody giving me a speech. That this is a shield of faith. And so it's important for us to understand that this word here, faith, is the word that is used for saving faith. Or confidence that our eternal outcome is secure. So here's the point, I think. If you're here this morning... And don't have that confidence that your eternal life is secure. Folks, that's a terrible thing. I put two verses in bold. You can jot them down. First one is Romans 10, 17. If you don't have this verse memorized, then you should. Romans 10, 17 is the verse that, se- the verse that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith is not drummed up. Our faith is not a speech given by a highly motivated coach. Our faith is saving faith. And it comes from God and it comes from the word of God. I would share that verse, Romans 10, 17. Many of you know that I'm involved with a ministry with young people called Vision for Youth. And we, every summer, we take kids from all over the country to inner city missions trips in downtown Philadelphia, downtown Chicago, downtown New York. And I share this verse with them, Romans 10, 17, all the time, that evangelism is not my ability to memorize an outline. Evangelism is not my ability to talk you into heaven. Evangelism is, I I would probably, my size, I would probably, you know, like, take you, twist your arm, and get you into heaven. It's not that. Faith comes by hearing. 
and hearing by the word of God. When we share the gospel with someone else, it's because we share the word of God. God uses his word to change people's lives. In fact, God's word, Bible says several times, is that God's word will not return void. That's where faith comes from, is from God. And then I put down 1 John 5.13, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 1 John 5.13 says, But these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. That you might know. It's a terrible thing, isn't it? It's a te- it'd be a terrible thing to be involved in religion all your life and not know for sure about eternity. When the Bible says you can, you can know that you have eternal life. <coughs> when Peggy and I first started in ministry, um, our first church that we worked in was in Michigan. And this was a long time ago now, okay? So this, is, this illustration doesn't really work today, but the, the outcome does. And uh, Peggy and I were relatively newlyweds. We were working with this youth group. And, uh, and, and so, you know, like, we got a phone in our house way before cell phones or anything like that. And it st- this started to happen where our phone would ring, our house phone would ring, and uh, we would answer the phone, and you could tell somebody was there. Remember those days and they wouldn't say anything? Some of you are old enough to remember that. Or maybe your phone rings, and you could tell. I mean, forgive me. You know, somebody makes a mistake, butt dials you. You know, it's like you can tell someone's there, but they're not talking to you. That happened. Excuse my language. I'm on the tape. You understand. You love me. And um, the phone would ring, and you could tell someone's there. Hello? You could tell. Hello? Hello? And they wouldn't say anything and hang up. Sometimes it would be in the morning before I left to go to church. Sometimes it would be at lunch. I'd be home, the phone would ring, hello? You could tell someone was listening. Hello? Sometimes it would be in the evening, be there with the kids. Sometimes it would be in the middle of the night. Hello? Hello? And you could tell someone was there, hello? And then you're frustrated enough just, you know, hang up. During this time, our church was having, and some of you that grew up in the church understands this, but there was, uh, our church was having a series of special meetings, Bible conference. And one night, the speaker, we were having, like, every night we'd have a, we'd have a different message, and we'd meet at the church. I forget if it was, like, three nights or five nights in a row or something. Back in those days, they did that a lot. And one night, the pastor's message was on the importance of knowing for sure that you're saved. You can know, 1 John 5, 13, you can know that you have eternal life. And he actually, at the end of the message, he actually gave an invitation where he said, if you're here this morning and do not know for sure about eternity, and you would like to, if you come forward, pray with me, I'll have you go with somebody where you can counsel with them, where they can share with you from the scriptures, you can pray with them, and and you can make that decision tonight about that. And so he gave this public invitation. Right away, there was this girl in our youth group that was back sitting by her mom and dad. Her name was Sally. And Sally gets up and comes forward, and she talks, she whispers to the preacher for a little bit, the guy that was preaching a little bit. And then the guy looks up. And he looks out in the crowd, and he sees me and Peggy, and he motions for us to come 
forward. And Peggy and I had the chance that night. We took our Bibles and we went off into one of the rooms and we had a chance that night to pray with Sally and show her from the scriptures that she can know for sure that she's on her way to heaven. And that night is when she accepted Christ and made sure of her salvation. And it was, it was, real, it was really a sweet time. <laughs> Sally is uh, on my Facebook, one of my Facebook friends to this day. She's got a great family. She married a friend of ours. I did their wedding, and she's still living for God. And that night was a sweet night. And we got done, and the girls are praying. You know how girls are. And uh, I get up, and I'm, you know, getting ready to go, and we're getting ready to go out. The service was over. And Sally said, hey, Mel, before you go, I need to apologize to you for something. And she had just... Come to Christ. I mean, they, we were the girls were crying. You know, so I, I, I stop and I come back in, and she said, uh, she said, yeah, Mel, I need to apologize to you for something. And I said, well, okay, what? And she said, have you been getting phone calls? <laughs> what? And then I, the, the wheels are starting to turn, right? And then she said, yeah. She said, where someone calls you, and they don't say anything, and after a while they hang up. And she said. Uh, yeah, that was me. And I'm like, what? She said, yeah, sometimes it'd be in the morning. And her mom and dad both worked for the car companies in Detroit area where we lived. She said, sometimes I'd get up in the morning and I'd be the only one in the house. And I'd be so afraid that the Lord had come back and I'd missed it. And so she said, I had to call somebody on the phone that I knew was a believer and she said, I'd wait long enough to find out if it was you. And she said, I figured if the walkers are still there, it must be okay. <laughs> and sometimes it'd be at lunch. She lived right near the high school. She'd come home for lunch, and the house would be empty. And Sally would get afraid. And sometimes it'd be in the middle of the night when her mom and dad were gone on vacation or gone for work. And she'd be scared to death, and she'd call. It took her longer in the middle of the night to figure out, is this really Mel or Peggy on the phone? And then she just figured it was okay and go back to sleep. Folks, here's the point of my friend's story, Sally. It's a terrible thing not to know for sure about eternal life, especially to be involved in religion and all of that. I think one of Satan's starts, I showed you, is doubt is to get us to deny. That's why shield of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's eternal life. It's that God has given us confidence in eternity. It's that kind of faith. That's the kind of faith that defeats the enemy. It's not just a feel-good, power, positive living type thing, positive thinking. It's that we have the faith that says, I know that we have eternal life. And so I left you a blank on the notes for number two. And there in that notes, I just want, it's not just victory, it's eternal victory. And that's what gives us confidence to defeat, right, the fiery darts of the, of the devil. Number three, God wants us to extinguish and resist the enemy's attacks to do evil. I think it's important for us to understand that the verse says, and I've had the same slide, the same text, verse 16. Above all, take the shield of faith, 
with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This is of Satan. We are in a battle. This is spiritual warfare. But Satan's attacks are to get us to sin, or get us to do evil. And I think it's important for us to understand that. This word quench, it's a great word, it really is. It means to extinguish or literally to put out a fire. Or it means to cause or to stop or to drop harmless. I love that illustration. The shield of faith, this door-like shield that all the soldiers have. The fiery dart hits it. Rambo's fiery arrow hits it. It's got that coarse leather that won't penetrate my shield. The leather is soaked with water, been soaked with water for hours. And the arrow drops harmless. Quench, extinguish, put out. The shield of faith is what gives us that ability to do that. So, reviewing this passage, how, how does that work to get the fiery darts to drop harmless number one i think it's so important from this entire passage that we realize that god wants us to stay alert and not get distracted early on i said to you that the purpose of fiery darts was that satan distracts us so the fiery dart can burn us down from within stay alert stay alert paul uses that language the apostle peter I'm not going to take the time to look up, to stay alert, stay awake. We're in a warfare. Stay awake, stay alert. Number two, I think it's important from the book, the entire book of Ephesians, is that work together. We're a part of the body of Christ. We're a part of the church. That's why it's so important, the church. We live in a culture, it seems as if almost anything else in our lives is more important than church. We're in a battle. We need the church. We need each other. We need to stay protected in this spiritual battle that we're in. And then number three, I think it's important. You should God-given armor. Take up. Take it. Take the initiative. This is important. Take up the whole armor of God so that we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And then it says there at the end that you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. God gives us the ability to do that. God gives us the ability. You will be able. I love this um, passage, this illustration, and I know it's a familiar one in all of that. Above all, in all circumstances, take the shield of faith, saving faith, the confidence that we have in eternal life with which you will be able to quench, extinguish, put out, drop harmless, all the fiery darts, the burning arrows of the wicked one that Satan would love to use to destroy us from within inside. I hope that this uh, familiar verse has been helpful, this familiar lesson. And folks, I hope, seriously, it's been motivating to me that uh, we understand that we're in a battle, but we have weapons. Stay alert, work together. We have the ability to, uh, to resist because we have God-given armor. And let me say one other thing. If you're not confident about eternal life, you can be. God's word says you can know that you have eternal life. 
1 John 5, 13. Look it up, read it, memorize it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can be confident. When times get hard, when times get really, really hard, when it gets toward the end, not like Sally having to call somebody she knows would still be there. You can have the confidence that comes from God, comes from the word of God, of eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. That's, that's the win. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, the win is for eternity. The win is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. For our hope, our confidence of eternal life. Father, I pray that you would use your word in hearts and lives. For all those of us that are believers, we understand we're in a warfare. We've, we've gone through some things. We understand. Father, help us to use, to utilize the shield of faith. The shield of the confidence of our eternal life. Hey, Satan can, can do what he wants, but we have the confidence for eternal life. We have that confidence. We win. Father, I just pray that you continue to use your word in hearts and lives, Father, for your glory for eternity. For your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, if there's anything that I can do, Peggy can do, Pastor Todd can do to help you with what I've talked about today or whatever, we'd be happy. We'd be very happy to do that. And uh, thanks for listening. Pastor Todd, you're on. Thank you, Pastor Mel. Just want to remind you that Wednesday night is our church family time. Please be a part of that. And next Sunday is what? Our luncheon, our soup luncheon for the love of soup. Please plan to be a part of that as well. And uh, join us next Sunday. We'll see you then.